Welcome to Copcast. I'm Rumbi Chakamba, Associate Editor at DevEx, and I'm headed to Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt for this year's United Nations Climate Conference. In this podcast series, we bring you inside the walls of the Blue Zone for a series of in-depth conversations with climate and development leaders, asking them the big questions. What's really needed to make meaningful progress towards climate goals and what role should the development community play to support that? As young people, I think this is a time that we really have to do what we can to just make sure that we take center stage. Climate change impacts everyone, but for many young people, it represents the risk of a stolen future. According to the World Bank, by the time many teenage climate activists of today are in the late 20s, climate change could force an additional 100 million people into extreme poverty. My next guest, Jessica Bwali, is a young activist who uses her personal experience to help people in Zambia understand the impact of climate change and advocates for youth inclusion in the climate discourse. Jessica, you're here at COP as a climate activist, and I believe you got into activism because of your personal experience with climate change. Yes. Can you take me through a little bit about that? Uh, So, thank you for having me. I'm uh, Jessica Boily. I'm the Global Campaign's Associate for Tier Fund, and I'm uh, from Zambia. So sometime, Zambia currently right now is uh, one of the countries that is uh, um, receiving the worst uh, um, effects of climate crisis. So sometime in 2019, I think in Zambia we had the first and massive load shedding. They were actually even calling it load management because it was really massive in that would only have uh, power for like six hours and the other time there's no power and that was like the whole country so what they used to do was they would cut uh, if you have power in the morning like maybe during the day for six hours and it will mean that the rest of the day there won't be any power and that was attributed to the fact that around uh, that time we didn't have enough rainfall and in Zambia we use hydro for power we have uh, um, a dam called the Kariba dam that generates power for the whole country and also some of the neighboring countries that we export power to so in 2019 the Kariba Dam was at its lowest when it comes to water levels. So some of the machinery could not work because of the water levels, they were so low. So what they did was to try and save the machinery, they had to switch them. So by switching them down, it meant that they had to cut power. Uh, so there was so much, uh, there was a little actually that was distributed around uh, the whole country. And that time I had just recently moved to a, a, another province called the Northwestern province. And I was doing the breakfast show uh, every day with a radio station called Soloise Radio. So literally every day on the radio I'll get calls, people asking, why are we having load trading? And the unfortunate part was, I thought it was the same, it was being politicized, we're thinking it's just politics, you know, they're just uh, either trying to fix people that didn't vote for who, or they're trying to uh, teach people to vote for who, it was really chaos, it was chaotic. So you had to debunk a lot of myths? Exactly, and look, the situation was like every day on radio, and the funny part is everybody thinks you know everything when you're on radio. And I would get no answers when I'm asked that, and I would be asked literally every morning when I'm on radio. We don't have power in this place. Or when I ha- doesn't matter what uh, topic I'll be having, but there will be at least more than five people that will call on that show and asking why they don't have power. And it started 
to make me look like I didn't know what I was doing, like literally every day. And I thought to myself like, okay, this is really true. Let me find out. So I started making calls. I started making calls to the relevant authorities. And I only realized to say it had nothing to do with politics. It was all due to climate change. That time, just because we didn't have the rainfall that we would normally have, and um, because the, the, the machineries could not, uh, they couldn't risk them running on low water, they had to shut them. And the more that I asked questions, the more I got intrigued, the more I wanted to find out. So I, from that time, I think I would have at least a news piece on climate issues every day. And the more that I did more research, the more I found out how much businesses, uh, a lot of young people uh, lost around that time, how much a lot of uh, SMEs, the small business owners closed, closed down. So it, it, it was really bad. And because of that, I thought, let me just try and get to find out more. And I started reading more. I started uh, uh, getting to hear of other people's experiences by maybe watching online, uh, getting to do more research. I think from there, that's where the, 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 um, the zeal or the interest, first of all, came, uh, started from. Like, I want to, the fact that I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people that could listen to me on radio, I thought, let me use this as, as my as, as take. Let me take advantage of this and do the right thing because uh, many people are ignorant about it. Yet they affected a lot. And in that area where I was, there are a lot of farmers. So you can imagine people that literally live on food that comes from the field directly to the table. And around that time, there's nothing, and there's no power. And when there's no power, they can't do any business. It was it was a hard time like for a lot of people in Zambia, especially for business owners, small business owners, a lot shut down. So interest grew from there. I went on ahead and even I, I had to study climate change and just get to, so I could understand more about it. And I found myself in spaces like this, like uh, COP to get to learn more and also just to see how I can contribute to try and uh, help uh, my fellow activists back home and also just around and also just for those that may not really understand what's going on. Hi, I'm Kate Warren, Executive Editor at DevX. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely working to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. But are you subscribed to DevX Newswire? Global development can be a fast-moving, complex sector. Our team of global reporters work every day to bring you the news you need to make sense of it all. In DevX Newswire, we keep you up to date on issues ranging from climate change financing to gender equality and global health to transforming the food system, all in a fun-to-read free newsletter delivered directly to you five days a week. Join the hundreds of thousands of global development professionals who receive DevX Newswire and visit devx.com newsletters to sign up to this free newsletter today. seems like climate is an issue that really resonates with young people like yourself. Why do you think that is and why do you think young people are so willing to take action and move on it and they're actually really energized? Yeah, so Zambia, I'll speak from my perspective from Zambia. Zambia is a young country. What I mean is we have the, the, the most population is young people. So. Uh, it's like you understand as a young person, if you don't do anything today, 
because of us, you may have more days uh, coming ahead of you. So if you don't do anything today, that will mean that every uh, effect, every consequence, every damage, every uh, negative effect that will come tomorrow will actually be able to come to you and not just to you, also to the generation that you're going to bring. So I feel like young people have been affected the most, first of all, like in Zambia, first of all, that's like the biggest population. And also, uh, young people, and, and maybe not just also young people, young people maybe, and, and, and women, I know the men will be like, oh, we are also people, why, why not, and so on. But, but these are like but the most... disproportionately affected by climate <laughs> That change. is true, yes, I agree with you. And I, I have receipts with that, I can actually <laughs> defend that. So, yeah, it's true because, uh, and, and also maybe the fact that young people are affected the most, me, I feel like I've always, we've, we always talk about problems. I try to take things a little differently. Of course, the crisis is here, so what do we do next? We can actually talk, we always talk. The young people are always affected, the, the women are always affected, but what are we going to do uh, as young people? So I think this is where uh, I would say as young people, I think this is a time that we really have to do what we can to just make sure that we take center stage. Because as young people, if the more that we're going to just sit down I know it's especially in our setup in our uh, countries it's really hard for young people to just try and bring out their voices and it's said and it goes I was through. I'm actually gonna ask you that next. Are your voices heard? I mean, there's this energy and there's this like activism and it's like really building up. But do you yes. feel like your voices are heard? Do you feel like your demands are heard? Do you think like leaders are taking this into consideration? Uh, the last question that you've actually said uh, I feel like uh, are we being heard we are um, to what extent not that's the question yeah also are we being heard because we are supposed to be heard or because uh, they want to make us believe we're being heard also that's also another aspect so the thing is I feel when it comes to issues of climate crisis here is the thing all of us have been affected quite all right. Uh, of course, the young people have been affected maybe the most, but you can imagine for the older generation, they have the uh, experience, okay? They have the power, they have the money. And for the younger generation, there is time, there's energy, there's technology. So you can imagine these three, six things now coming together. You can imagine how, how much of an environment, how beautiful an environment such could be. But the unfortunate part is like we're having this, either the three, the energy, the, the time, and the technology working on its own. The experience, the power, the money working on its own. And maybe even trying to crash here and there. So if the, the two generations could get to be on the same table, and have conversation, I think that's the most beautiful thing that could happen. And maybe we could actually uh, 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 solve a lot of problems just with that. But I have a problem. One problem that I have with a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders, I don't know, I, I don't want to specify regions, but this applies in most regions. I have a problem with a lot of leaders in that they can give us the table, okay, the table is here, they can invite the young people, oh, bring your chair, come to the table. But when you get to that table, they will actually tell you what to say. If you're going to represent, okay, imagine... Am I supposed to guess the region now? <laughs> I, I feel like you know what I'm talking about. I feel like I might. You know what? 
So the thing is, like, you're not going to ask a young person to say, oh, we want to hear young people's voices. Come to, to the table, let us reason together, let us have conversations. And when they come there, they tell you what they want. Then when you want to send them out, you tell them what they should go and say out there, which does not, which still goes back to your own words as, as, as leaders. So I think, uh, I, I know the experience here may be there, but I think it's high time that you may be also a little bit flexible, okay? Some of the, the techniques that may have worked 30 years ago may not work anymore today because the lot has changed. Look at just climate, what it has done today. There are a lot of things that cannot work anymore. So I think it's high time that there's nothing wrong in learning new ways. There's nothing wrong in trying out new innovations. They may come from the youngest person, uh, even in age and all. But if it works well, if it's, it's good for the environment, if it's good, it, it will do something uh, uh, good where you are. I mean, why not go for it? So I think when you bring in the young people on the table, allow them allow them to actually uh, allow them to to say what they it may be not what you are thinking but as for as long as you've given them that that privilege uh if they mess it up yeah you can point out that okay we gave you the chance but why don't you allow them to make the mistakes and you know maybe they may just do something that is right yeah and that's actually one of the criticisms of this cop in particular right it's the restrictions that have been placed on civil society on like different voices um how do you feel about that and how does it feel to sort of like operate and navigate within that space and with the restrictions that are placed i mean right now we are outside i don't know if people can hear all the buzz around us at all but we're outside simply because observers who are civil society are not allowed to access the media room which could be interpreted as observers are not allowed to access the media so how do you operate within that space um, it's quite frustrating uh, I feel like that's the reason why um, certain young people with the zeal that they may start with and so on they get to just give up because they feel like 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 your your efforts are being frustrated Okay, I know it's, you know you're not supposed to give up. I know, like it, it's it's hard. Yes, like we, we we have to push and all, but I feel like for as long as the, there's this all, all, all these I don't know. I know maybe it's because you want to try and put what and what in one place, but it does not hurt sometimes to just be as flexible. I know maybe maybe security. I don't know what why, but the restrictions that I hear are just. I don't know the right way to use, beyond. but they're beyond. <laughs> beyond? <laughs> they're beyond. And this can also go further in, uh, not just maybe just these like mere, mere, mere restrictions that were happening. What if actually they go beyond uh, the people that, the young people that came with this, this, this zeal coming here to say, we want to bring this out where we're going. What if they, they get here and they realize they actually don't have anywhere to say all those things that they actually came here for? So what does that mean? Wasted time. Yeah. You can imagine where, I, I mean, there's, this is like in the midst of the climate crisis and people have had to come from all, all around the corners of the world to come here and to do what yeah. you get. Yeah. So I'm really hoping by the time we, I know this is like, is it the, the third day? The, is like, second yeah, third day? day. Third day, yeah. yeah third I'm hoping like by the time that we're done with next week, I really hope this won't just be 
one of those times that will be like, oh, we went and we met, and yeah, we are back home. I was hoping, like before the COP27 even started, when I was having conversations around it, I was hoping like, because it's been talked about as the African COP, African COP, I've, I have been hoping that it will really mean just that, that the, 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 the words or the, uh, the voices of Africans, like everyone that has come from uh, elsewhere that maybe has not had a chance to be in a place that is affected the most with climate effects, who actually get not to feel uh, not just to hear about it, but they'll feel that, especially the world leaders, and that they would, going further, they would actually make right decisions from what, what, what's going on, other than it being like, oh, it's, it's just a routine, let's go, we meet, we have conversations, we argue among us ourselves, we make pledges that we don't own, and let's go back home and get back to our luxurious lives and uh, damage the environment even more. Uh, next year we'll meet again, we'll make more pledges and, you know, it's, it's quite frustrating. I feel like it's really, personally, like on speaking as me personally, trust me, I would be okay if certain actions could actually be fined. Trust me, I would be, if there could be a climate crime, crimes against climate, Fines. I will be fine with that because I feel like we. It's. I can say anything, and nobody will want to to to. Nobody will like uh, uh, bring me to book because of the words that I said, the pledge that I made. Because I, I needed to just say it to shut you up. Yeah. Because I'm gonna say, oh, I pledge to do this. I I'm going to, as me and my family, we are going to try and reduce our emission to this level. But maybe the next time we meet, you'll find that it's even higher. Because I'm, I said it because I just wanted you to feel good. And I know you won't do anything about it. You won't bring me to book, you won't find me, you won't do anything. So I, I would personally be okay that if we even had a crimes against uh, climate crimes against the planet. tribunal, I don't know, or something like that, maybe that could be, yeah, could work. Well, like you said, this is day three. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you keep up the zeal.